but for laboring and striving with us tonight, we will know that tonight will be a special night indeed. So guys, I, I want to open up in prayer and then we're going to kickstart the conversation. So far, I just want to thank you yes, for tonight. Lord. just want to thank you for this new day that you have Hallelujah. made. Thank you that you are with us, you are in us. Thank and you, Lord. We, you will speak through us. We just submit this yes, night Lord. to you. We ask that you are Way. We pray that you will give utterance, you will bring insight, you will bring healing and restoration mm. to your men. Lord, I pray today, let these words be seasoned with life, oh God. Yes, Lord. Let these words, oh God, not just be life, but also spirit. Let them speak to the essence mm. of who we are. In Jesus' yes, name Lord. we pray. Amen. 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 So... Is this is week number three? We've been talking about when, yeah. and um, the whole heart, you know, is just really to hear from your paradigm, from your perspective. Mm. Um, you know what happens when men hurt, and obviously, like I said, this started with you. You know, you you, you teased us in your first session. <laughs> about, you know what? I talk about another time when men hurt, and he came back in September, and really, really, mm. really spoke to us. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it'll be great for us to hear from you. You know, uh, even tonight, I was thinking, you know, what happens when men hurt? You know, I'm, I'm, what allows mm. men to go one direction versus the other direction? What's the, what's the, what's the, what's, what's, mm. the, what's the crossroads? <laughs> wow. Okay, let, let me start by saying this. When men hurt, they either heal themselves and others or they hurt themselves and others. Um, every, almost every destructive thing in the world today can be traced to a man who was hurt. Okay. When we hurt without the grace of God to step in, we destroy things. We destroy ourselves. We destroy women. We destroy children. Wow. We destroy society. We destroy the world at large. Wow. And that's why hell's number one strategy throughout history has always been to hurt men. Mm -hmm. For all of history, hell has always figured out if I can hurt a man, if I can break a man. And when I say break, I don't mean the way the Bible defers, uh, defines the word brokenness. I mean, if I, if I can destroy a man's fabric, wow. then I'll destroy the whole of society as well. So uh, that's what happened when men hurt. Um, I don't know if you want me to give you a little bit about my story of... Yes, 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 please. Make it personal as much as you can, sir. Uh, okay. So I was born to two university students, very young people. Okay. Uh, in a time in Nigeria where if you got pregnant and you weren't married, you were in trouble. Hey! Hellfire Brimstone. <laughs> uh, you, you know what I'm saying. Uh and my mom was young enough that my my granddad literally whooped her when he found out she was pregnant. I mean, literally gave her a whooping. Wow. Now, I know we don't do things like that again these days, but these were back in them days, you know. <laughs> uh, and I am told that there was pressure to abort me. Wow. Science has now proven that babies can sense, feel emotions in the womb. Okay. It's also proven what I always suspected that the subconscious mind is literally the gateway to the inner reality of a human being. And therefore babies can 
can develop emotions in their in their infancy wow. which even though they will never remember consciously yeah. will shape uh the inside of who they are and so you could say i start i started out being rejected wow okay um i get to the age of about four and a half maybe five somewhere between four and five and i am sexually molested in a time where you just didn't talk about that kind of stuff if you're millennial especially if you're a younger millennial we grew up in two different worlds um i keep telling parents remember your kids and you grew up in two different universes but kids also remember the same thing too now if you first of all if you grew up in nigeria and you grew up in the uk you grew up in two different worlds yeah if you then add to it the difference between nigeria four decades ago mm-hmm. and now you know to use your word familiar when i heard you talk about how a brother of yours came and did a madness <laughs> it, it, it it was a madness as in it was it was uh and so i kept quiet couldn't say anything didn't even know what was going on at initially and then something horrible happened i actually figured out that i liked it wow (laughs) (laughs) we are going there tonight yo (laughs) um and then i had a couple of uh of family members who and back in the day when, when i was coming up um you didn't have real porn you just had these raunchy novels from the seventies, uh, and you know, and the and the and the early eighties lying around. And so, I used to go lock myself in the toilet, pretend to have a running stomach, uh, reading this stuff. And then I was about seven, and I got molested again. Both times were by a woman. Um. And thus began what up until 16 years ago was a lifetime of sexual perversion and addiction. Wow. Then I get to eight and a half. And this 15 year old girl down the road says that she loves me. Eight and a half, 15 year old. Eight and a half. Yep. Okay. Says she loves me. I'm her man. You know, and so began uh, the my journey of carnal education. Let's put it that way. So I became sexually active at eight and a half, just short, just short of nine years old. Um. Oh, I forgot to mention. At about seven, I then I then get molested by a man. Wow, which was a completely different experience. Now, when I say molest, I can we be real on, on 412 men or Let's you guys? PG? Be real. Let's talk okay, cool. about guys that cool. share your story, sir. That need All to right, share. cool. So the the 15-year-old at eight and a half literally rocked my world, as in literally, literally rocked my world, as in opened my eye to the real thing. At seven, the molestation, it wasn't penetrative. But can you imagine uh, a 17-year-old guy telling you to drop your pants? messing around with you and then dropping his pants and telling you to put his what what word do we use so the youtube doesn't demonetize your video 
<laughs> you know, I'm trying to help you out. I know, I know how this YouTube thing goes. So. His thing. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make, trying to help you make some paper. Um, <laughs> his thing yes. in your mouth. Wow, seventeen. And seventeen year old. Now was seven. I can oh. still remember the taste and the smell till today. Wow. But it was so horrible that. I didn't realize this at the time, but again, science has caught up with my experience. Yes. The last five years, I've been studying things science has discovered, which I always knew. I just didn't have the proof for. Okay. It was so traumatic for me that I blocked it out in my memory. Okay. From roughly the age of eight, my brain literally archived the memory until four years ago. Wow. Wow. Does that make sense? Yes. I forgot about it completely because it was that traumatic. So yeah. for the most of my life, when I was talking about my journey, I only ever talked about being molested by the ladies. Yeah. This one about the man. It, it was one day I was preaching about four and a half years ago and it hit me on the pulpit. On the pulpit? It just came back. Yes. Now, everybody thought I was in the spirit. You know, the glory of God was on me. That's why I was being emotional. Dude, I was... Who shut up? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, so so and then and then at 12 I discovered this thing called masturbation. Yeah. And it was a rap. <laughs> it was a rap. As in that was it. Game over. Yeah. Finish him. I, I remember, I remember whatever you want. I remember that vividly till now. <laughs> it was game over, man. I don't know what happens when that happens. Game over. <laughs> so, there's that. Now, my parents broke up when I was six months old. So I grew up with my stepdad. I'm roughly about six years old. They're about in... There's this dude called Uncle John who comes to see me every every year on my birthday with a present. And I'm like, this is a very nice uncle. And then I'm between six and seven thereabouts. And one day I'm called into a room and I'm informed that Uncle John is my dad. What? Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, Israel, this, this sounds, very, <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like a good biopic to create in the future. I'm telling you. So <laughs> I, I, I later figured out there'd been some argument of some sort, but at the time I didn't realize. So I'm like, oh, so daddy's my dad, meaning my stepdad. Yeah. Uncle John's my dad. So I've got two dads, I said. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. And I went and played for years. I thought I took it well. Again, it was in my adulthood. And I don't mean 21, 22, 23, 24. I mean, into my thirties when I finally clocked the fact that my child brain again, archived the shock and pain Wow! so that I could function. Wow. So anyway, I'm this talkative guy. I'm very small for my size. I had a growth spurt in in my final year of high, of high school, roughly when you're about 17. I grew about five inches in my final year of high school. Otherwise, I was very tiny. And so I got bullied a lot, but I was a fighter. So I, by the time I was in what you guys would call Form 2, I fought with every boy in my class, every boy in Form 1, and every boy in Form 3. So <laughs> the message true? was stay. <laughs> yeah, that was me. 
you know, and that's wow. why I tell people don't, don't, you know, now that I'm saved, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, don't take me for granted, man. I will punch a devil up in here. <laughs> Come on, now. Um, Anyway, let, let me let me let me let me let me rush through some stuff. So, having to fight on an almost daily basis not to be picked on yeah. creates a Napoleon complex in you. So, I'm wired to fight. Also, anger and I mean rage runs in both sides of my family, both my father's side and my mom's side. Okay. Uh, my granddad once shot at his only son. Literally, took a shotgun. <laughs> Boom, because he was angry with him. Yes. Okay. I, I used to have out-of-body experiences with rage as a kid and a teenager. I mean, literally stand and watch. I would literally leave my body and watch myself when I was angry. It was wow. scary. Um, You know them thick doors in Nigeria? If you've ever been to Nigeria, them thick doors we used to have in houses... None of yeah. the chip stuff we have in the UK now. I mean, real proper. I used to punch holes through it. My fist would go through. It'd be bloody. My knuckles would be, you know, wounded. And I would just punch and punch and punch and punch and punch and punch, and punch until I calmed down. Wow. Uh, that followed me till I was in my 20s. And then I'm a teenager. And then my stepdad disappears. Wow. And he raised me like his son. Okay. Uh, I had my first meaningful conversation with him this year. Wow. Since I was roughly about 16. So first expecting, well, how many years is that then? Sorry to ask. What? Talking. When did he leave now? He left in. He left in 1990. We're talking about 20, um, 24, about 24 years. Yeah. About 24 years. That's just that's, that's the age of some of the guys in this chat right now, mate. <laughs> wow. And and interestingly, how the conversation happened was uh I was on my Wednesday show. Yeah. On his birthday. Oh. And my staff screened a comment from him. Oh wow. So imagine. Yeah, okay. it was in. I think it was in. No, it was April because his birthday's and it was in April this year. Wow. Um. So basically, I I reconnected with my stepdad in front of the whole world. Basically, the, the, I let you. And and then later that later that week, he spoke to my wife for the first time. Wow. He spoke to my children for the first time. And this was the man who raised me like his son, and he raised me like he was. An amazing father till he disappeared. Okay. So it wasn't one of those, oh, I'm glad to see the back of him. No, 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 no. We had a real father-son thing going on. And yeah. then, boom, he just disappears. And what makes it worse is I chased him for years. And every time I would get a hold of his number and track him down, he would change his number and disappear again. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. Well, when we when we finally spoke, he broke down some of the things that he was going through at the time. He was dealing with shame and condemnation. Okay. He was also in some trouble, and he thought that he was helping us by staying away from us. But the long okay. story short is, you know, you're 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, the age where you need your dad the most. Yeah. And the man who you who you call dad 
not only isn't there, doesn't seem to want to have anything to do with you. Yeah. And is going out of his way to run away from you. I literally chased him down because he was a preacher. Okay. Interestingly, interestingly, he long story short, he gave he gave his life to Christ. Uh, it's a long story short. I was <laughs> preaching in church as a teenager. I was preaching in church as a teenager. He came to cheer me on. Wow. Had an encounter with God. Joined the church the next week, and then wow. eventually became a, a leader and a pastor and everything else. Okay. Uh, he used to be involved in some not so godly stuff prior to that. Okay. But I would chase him down online find out what church he was at or he had preached at recently. I would track the church down, call the church, tell them, oh, please, I'm trying to get a hold of so-and-so. They'd give me his details. The moment I would reach out to him, it's, you know, he would would not pick up the call. There was a day he picked up when he heard my voice. He said, let me call you back. That was it. Called the number again a few days later. Zip. This sounds really dense. (laughs) So I had to learn to shave myself. Yeah. I had to learn to not a tie. Prop, you know, my y- y- all the things that a man, the rites of passage that the on. father should confer on a son. Come on. Uh, and so I'm I'm this sexually perverse, mm. rejected, and angry young man with an anger management problem. Okay. My mom is the real MVP. Yeah. I wouldn't have put up with me in hindsight. Um, I was so rebellious that my curfew was nine. I'd come home at eight 30 and back in them days in Nigeria, this was, this was before mobile phones. Yeah. Cause you guys need to understand that the world I grew up in, just you work with your management a little bit. So before mobile phones, this was before social media. This was when in a, and in a culture where, I mean, it's that bad that I once took a walk with my girlfriend in our neighborhood. I walked her back to her house at nine and her mother asked her in in, in Yoruba, she said, Shota, it means, did you sell? Mm. It means she was literally saying, in fact, that you were coming home at this time means you're a prostitute. Oh, That's what wow. her own mother said to her. So you can imagine that. So when I say nine, you might think, well, nine's not that late. No, then it was, it was late. You know, if you were out on the streets past nine, you were seen as a hoodlum, you know, but I would get home. So my mom gave me a curfew for nine. My point is that for a 17, 16 year old was more than enough. I'd get home at eight 30 with nothing to do and stand outside my gate for an extra hour. So I could come in at nine 30 and say, I'm a big man's, ain't nobody going to tell me what time I can come home. Yeah. Because I didn't have a, I remember when I first started living with my biological father, I started living with my biological father as a grown man. Mm. We were in the car one day and he called his wife at about 8 p.m. to say we were going to stop off somewhere to do something and that we were going to be late. It was new to me. You mean big men are accountable about their their whereabouts? No, my my idea was big men did what they want, when they wanted, how they wanted. Yeah. And nobody was going to tell me otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not be so. <laughs> you know? So, um, anyway, I have a radical encounter with God years later. So what's the age um, of, give us timelines more small. Okay, so 
my first radical encounter with God was in the year 1998. Okay. Which would be 22 years ago now, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember clearly it was 1998. It was in September 1998. This is when I started having super, uh, supernatural encounters. I started seeing angels, demons. My prophetic gift started popping, but I didn't have any clarity for what was going on. Okay. In the year 2000, I'm ordained as a youth minister at my church. Okay. And I'm put in charge of a youth group that eventually grew to about a thousand. Okay. I take that back, not youth group, youth church. We had our Sunday services were separate. So the, the main church had Sunday service downstairs. Mm-hmm. It was a huge building. We had our services upstairs. We had our own pastors, our own musicians, our own worship team. I mean, we had, quote, unquote. And when I say youth in Nigeria, youth is anything till you're married. <laughs> but we had we had grown folk yeah. skiving from church downstairs to come and, you know, sneak into our service. Yeah. Uh we had the, the main church used to steal our worship leaders to come and lead worshiping. It, it was popping. I mean, God broke out. Some of the people who were there with me at the time in ministry today, we were have. I mean, we started walking things like word of knowledge, supernatural giftings, healings, deliverance. I mean, you name it. You know, yeah. by by nineteen ninety nine, I was laying hands on people and they were spinning around in a circle and going, you know. The whole, so I, I felt like you know, yes, I was arrived. You know, I was a man of God and everything. And then in 2000 or 2001, I have a faith crisis. Uh, God and I, you know, I'm angry with God. Okay. So around the time I started living with my father, my biological father, mm-hmm. uh, my dad, my dad and I are best friends now. Dad, if you're watching this, you know, I love you. You know, you're my favorite. But them early days were, who shatter. <laughs> performance performance mentality Mm -hmm. i felt like i was being scored every moment i drew breath wow uh if i left the room and left the light on i was in trouble jeez there was a day i used the toilet and i forgot to flush it and i left the house by this time i was in london I went from, we lived in Brixton, different story for a different day. I almost got, I, I got into, I almost got into several frights in Brixton back wow. in the day. I left from Brixton to see my girlfriend who lived in Thamesmead. What? Southwest to Southeast. <laughs> I went to see my girlfriend. So I didn't just show up and say hi and bye. It means I chilled for a while, you know, Netflix and the rest. And chill. Okay. Then came back to Brixton and I was so broke. I didn't take the tube. I took the bus. Wow. And I came funny. back <laughs> and the toilet was left the way it was Jesus. so that I could be shown how much I messed up. Wow. Bear in mind, I'm a grown man, right? Quote and unquote, at least legally. Yeah. There was a day where there was a bottle of Fanta in the fridge. I'll never forget this day. I I want to cry every time I think about it. Bottle of Fanta in the fridge. Now, at my age, I'm told you can't take a drink in the house without asking for permission. Bear in mind, this is the guy who was the BMOC, the big man on campus back back when I was living with my mom. Yeah. Also, I was by this time I was I was fully developed emotionally. I was always the ringleader. I was leader of the gang. Basically, I was the I was the I was the guy everything revolved around. 
and now I'm a young lion caged with an older lion. Yeah, basically. And the older lion is showing me what time that, you know, I'm the your boss. time ain't come. <laughs> and so I was like, I ain't asking for permission. There's nobody in the house. I want to drink Fanta. So I just, I like, nobody will know. I took a swig, you know, like a little sip. An hour later, I hear my name. I'm like, what's up? Like, did you drink the Fanta? Of course, I'm like, no, I didn't. Because there's no way you're going to know I drank it. Did you drink the Fanta? No, I didn't. I'm giving you one more chance. Did you drink the Fanta? But now I know I'm in trouble. So I lie one more time. No, I didn't. The bottle is pulled up. And what I didn't realize was there was a pen mark. What kind of, what is this? Are you in military school? (laughs) There is a pen mark. Of where the Fanta, wow. Of where the Fanta was. It was Fanta, uh, the, 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 not the, not the regular Fanta. What's the other one? The one that's like a little, um, forgotten the name now. Which one? Orange? Which one? Not orange. One of the, one of the other ones. Fanta Twist? Kind of. Kind of like pur- purpley. Purpley. Oh, I can't remember that one. I can't remember. But this, but this, this was this was back in the year two thousand. Okay. So I'm like, we're mocking Fanta now. <laughs> that, 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 sorry, Uncle. That one is petty, fam. <laughs> but can you imagine what it's doing to me? I'm being told life is a performance. Yeah, basically. Everything's a grade. Mm. And there, so I'm going through this encounter where, or this scenario where God and I are cool. Yeah. So I, I get to Sheffield to do my master's. I'm like, bump this Christian thing, bump this minister thing, bump this born again thing. I go buck wild and all out. Uh, there's a there's a friend of Black Current. Yeah, Mofe, you're right. F- find a Black Current. That's the one. That's the one. And so, um, there's a brother of mine who I reconnected with earlier this year. His name's Aaron Love. Okay. And if you know Aaron, I, I, the name sounds very familiar. Yeah. Uh, we used to. Aaron was the guy when I got there. Aaron was the guy who was running things on campus, okay. all the club nights, all the everything. And so I was like, man, let's do this. Yeah. And so the same anointing, you know, it's the same anointing for a ringleader in the kingdom. I, I mean. My nickname was Glamour Boy. Oh, Glamour Boy. <laughs> that was my nickname, Glamour okay. Boy. Yeah. Um, I used to meet girls who used to tell me about me, not knowing it was me they were talking to. Okay. <laughs> One of them told me she was sleeping with me. And I'm, I'm, I'm there, I'm like, okay, tell me about this. My nickname was OJ. Tell me about this OJ guy, you know? I would go to clubs and people would be like, are you OJ Simpson's son? One day I just jokingly said yes. And people took it seriously. You know? So I'm I'm young. I'm, I don't know if I'm good looking, but I've got a gift of the gab. <laughs> um, you know, girls are throwing themselves at me. But I'm dealing with anger issues. I'm dealing with yeah. pain. I'm dealing with rejection. Yeah. I'm dealing with all these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm fighting depression. I'm skipping school for six, seven weeks on the bounce because mm. I'm clubbing hard. I'm planning raves, but then I'm also spending three, four days where I can't leave my room because I'm depressed. I mean, I'm staring at a black wall, at a wall, sorry, in the dark, in the pitch blackness for wow. four days. 
And I only get up to go to the bathroom, eat something and come back. And I'm like that literal demonic kind. So when people tell me about, you know, this demon thing is overrated. Hey, relax. I've been there. I know what it's like. And then I have a radical encounter with God in the year 2004. Wow. At uni, didn't you? Well, I'm doing my master's. Master's, yeah. I'm doing my master's. Um, A radical encounter with God. I'm with a girl in my room, my girlfriend then, and Jesus walks into the room, literally. <laughs> literally. I say, walking on, walk, walking on you, I just do some business, yeah? <laughs> I, 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 I just, I'll, I'll leave the rest of your imagination, but yes, pretty much yes. As in, I was, I, I, yeah. It's YouTube. Let's let's keep this PG. But yes. And so this girl's freaking out because I'm talking to an invisible thing. But she says to me later that my face is glowing. Oh, wow. And I am telling Jesus, forget what you called me to do. I'm messed up. I'm battered. There's nothing useful about me anymore. I'm like, I then offer him my younger brother. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, he ain't done nothing. You can use him. And for the first time in my life, no one ever said this to me. Many of the things that I know about the Lord and the kingdom now, many of them I first encountered and then found in scripture. Many of you found it in scripture, so it made sense. For me, I had a living experience. I had to go back to the Bible to see where's this. And the Lord said to me, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. And every time I talk about this, it brings me to tears. He says, (sighs) he says, I don't need you to change anything. He says, I love you and I'll accept you as you are. Hmm. Now, if you grew up in church, that may not mean much to you. (laughs) Boy. But I was jacked up. Yeah. I was, I was, I was jacked up. Um, And, Oh, I forgot to mention, I got roped up in credit card fraud. You know, a couple of friends were ordering stuff to my address. Um, at first, at first I was ignorant, but then when the first consignment arrived and they gave me a, 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 a digital camera to say thank you for picking up the delivery. Of course, I'm not stupid. I knew something was going on. But you know, when when you when you come from brokenness, I mean, when my stepdad left, things were bad. Uh, my mom used to have to walk the distance from Walthamstow to to Stratford, wow, um, because she couldn't afford to take a bus to take my brothers home from school. Uh, and anyway, long story short, God pulled me out of that just before the racket blew up because some of the guys who were doing it ended up in jail. And oh, wow. one day I just woke up and I thought, I can't do this no more. Every time I see a police car, I'm like, eh, 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 eh. Mm-hmm. so I'm this ball of broken masculinity. Oh, I should, I forgot to mention uh, around. And I, I, I keep apologizing to her every time I tell this story because I need her to know how sorry I am. Wow. Um, I was a sinner with morals. Okay. That was my rule. 
So uh, I had I had rules, you know. Yeah. And one of the rules was you don't cheat on a girl, you break up with her. Okay. You know, I mean, I had a relation. I had relationships that lasted seven days. It was that bad. But then I just I just cheated a few months ago on someone for the first time. Uh-huh. Not only was that it was so bad that the person I cheated on her with. She accused me of it a few days before it happened. I was angry. Remember, I had anger management issues. Yeah. So when I got angry, I would snap. Yeah. And so I didn't take a phone. I didn't take a phone call. So it was in 2004. I didn't take a phone calls for days. And in between when we last saw and when we saw next, because she came on her knees to beg me, I had done what she accused me of doing. Oh, wow. With the person she accused me of doing it with. <laughs> was that on purpose then yeah <laughs> a little bit of it was yes but it wasn't <laughs> planned but in hindsight a little bit of it was yes yeah and i made this poor woman grovel wow. i felt like a piece of doo-doo i made her i i made her squirm and beg and whatever and then broke up with her a little while longer wow I broke up with her because I was at a party, a girl I hadn't seen since I was in my second year of high school. Mm. I met at the party. Oh, wow. I was just excited to see an old friend. This was like, so, but this is, we're talking about the difference between 2004 and maybe 1994 or something. So oh, excited wow. to see her. We, you know, we start to hang out and then my girlfriend gets angry and was like, are you cheating on me with her? So I just lost it. Wow. Like you and this, your accusations. Of course, she could see something because a few months later, about two months later, I start going out with the girl. Okay. In the same city, same circles. I was, it was just, so I was dealing with the guilt of all this, you know, how what a monster I was. Yeah. And Jesus says, come as you are. So I gave him a list. I said, can I still club? He says, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We called it chasing tail back in the day. I don't know what the word is now. Okay. I said, can I still chase tail? He says, yeah. I list all my vices. He says, just come as you are. Can I still masturbate? Sure. Can I still point? I call it pornication. Can I still pornicate? That's Definitely. <laughs> come as you are. I'm like, cool. This Jesus thing ain't that bad after all. Of course, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. It was a month later when I realized in a month that I'd been so drunk on God that all these things had just stopped. Yeah. Come on. I tried going clubbing and I I almost puked. I literally almost puked. It was a friend's birthday. I would step out for air. I'd be fine. I'd step back in. I'd be puking. And it just clicked. God was like, this ain't for you anymore. So because of the... And then, of course, we didn't, I mean, it was so spectacular. The girl who was in the room when that happened, she gets saved that night. Bear in mind, I'm just coming back from my sin trip because the encounter was so supernatural. She gets saved. A few days later, she gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. What? I heard from her about about two years ago. No, no, no. It was more than two years. About four, three years ago when I was writing my book. No, four years ago. I started writing the book in 2005. I finished it about four years ago. When it was time to publish it, I had to reach out to her to say, hey, you're going to be in the book. I'm going to change the name 
but you're going to be in the book. Are you okay with that? And she says, yes. And then I'm quoting her almost verbatim. She says, while she's not happy about me telling that story because it reminds her of a time in her life when she's not proud of now, now she's married, she has kids, she's a Christian, she's on fire for God. She says, what I thought about it and I thought, if I had to go through all that to meet you so that that encounter could happen, then it was worth it. Jesus. So, wow. now that, remember, I was a pre- I was a preacher. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I, I, what's it? How much more do we have? How much more time do we have? Right. We we'll got till nine. <laughs> okay. Cool. 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 So, <laughs> in two thousand and four, um, in between the encounter, just before the encounter, I go yeah. to Nigeria. Yeah. Um, now it's so bad that I had to cut my Conros the night before my flight. <laughs> I know you can't believe, but I I used to have rows, you know, some wow. locks, nice gleaming, I, you I, know, I, my pride I, and joy. Pictures to believe this one, but <laughs> uh, I, I used to have one. I've lost it. Uh, oh, wow. y- you know the Bow Wow Conros. Yeah, those wow. are the kind I used to have. Yeah, the, you know the okay. Uh, and I, I was an athlete, so I had a six pack as well. So, you know, I used to look for every opportunity playing basketball or football, take off my shirt. Um, but anyway, I caught my cornrows, you know, <laughs> let's just put it away. God has enlarged my territory these days. Clearly so. <laughs> I've been enlarged on all sides. <laughs> if you understand what I mean, so much that I have to walk six miles a day to contain the enlargement. <laughs> so I go back to Nigeria, cut my cornrows, go back. I come off the flight. It's a Sunday morning. And the Holy Spirit, and you're thinking, but you're a sinner, yes, but he's still he's still talking to me. Mm-hmm. He never stopped talking to me for the three years I ran away from him. Wow. Okay. For three and a half years, I ran away from him. I used to push it away. Hmm. There were times where girls would come to my room and would just sit down there for five hours and they say something's watching me. Because you could literally feel God was like, I ain't giving up on you. So the Holy Spirit says, go to church. I'm like, church? <laughs> I, am I had not been to church in three years. No word of a lie. So I'm sleepy, I'm tired, jet lag and everyone, not jet lag, but just tired from the flight. So I said, okay, I'm going to go to church. So I walk into the building and my pastor's like, hey, my son's back. I'm like, ah. And then he's preaching. And then he gets to the end of his sermon. And then he says, now he says, Pastor Lumide. Now, no one had called me that name in three and a half years. Yeah. He says, Pastor Lumide, I want you to come to the front and lay hands on this guy. And I'm like, I know this man didn't do his quiet time today. Because the only thing I've been laying hands on are myself and other people's children, female children. But same how age. do you? <laughs> age mates, guys. <laughs> oh, your age mates, age mates, age mates. No, 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 age mates, age mates. I mean, other people's grown, mature female children. Just disclaimer in case, you know. Just disclaimer, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see Pastor Manu in the comment section. Yeah, you know, uh, those are the days where where before God truly saved us, where we would lay hands on us, we, we lay hands on people on a Sunday morning and they lay hands on yourself on a Sunday evening. Hey! And if you're, if you're minister struggling with that, I speak freedom to you in Jesus name. In name Jesus. I've been free. I've been free 16 years and I'm proof God can, God can destroy that yoke. Amen. So 
I'm like, okay, I'm just going to lay hands on this guy. Nothing's going to happen. It's going to be it. I put my hands on the dude and it's like something picks him up. I'm not joking. He literally leaves his feet. Wow. And hits the ground. Jeez. Okay. And then other people start rushing forwards. <laughs> and so muscle memory takes over. Yeah. So I'm now... And while I'm laying hands and dropping bodies like flies, I'm thinking to myself, this shouldn't be happening. Man. This can't <laughs> be happening. <laughs> and so that for i'm in nigeria for a couple of months i started hanging out with my old friends again we start going to church we start going to places i'm invited to preach it's but i'm still not saved quote unquote or i'm extra i'm i'm backslidden and god's working through me i got back to the uk uh started hanging out with my old crew here fully backslid again and then that encounter happens so as soon as i come back out there's a group of students on campus who've been praying for me because every time they were trying to lead someone to Christ, I would come with my Bible knowledge and mess up their evangelism. So I was the demon they were trying to bind. Yeah. And then one of them, her name's Judith. She's a minister today. She says, they used to call me Uncle OJ because these were guys who were younger than me. That Now I was a post-grad student. She says, let's pray for Uncle OJ that God will save him. So I call her when the, when the thing happens. I'm like, Judith, you wouldn't believe what happened today. I'm like, I have this encounter. She's so excited. She invites me to their prayer meeting. I tell my testimony, God moves. Everybody's on the floor. Uh, some youth groups or some, uh, some youth ministries, campus ministries in the city call me because now I'm like Paul, the famous sinner, glamour boy is now saved. Wow. I go to preach, God moves. And so I didn't have a, and this was the, the mistake i never had time to fully process my my brokenness okay sir so i was thrust straight back and thrust straight back in i become you, a youth pastor what, 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 i start go on go on go on so like because that's there's so much to break down for what you said because like yeah <laughs> but that particular moment there because like for me then hindsight red flag would you say like for you to go away for three years and do a madness and then come back like why because i think this is what happens a lot and, and something that i think also if if um one could get messed up is that it's very easy to still define yourself still even though you just said come as you are still define yourself by performance of the gift of course you have. Because of course now, so was that responsible was that was that the right thing to do obviously yeah paul Paul, Paul has his supernatural salvation. Yeah. Like me, he goes straight into ministry. Yeah. Well, he causes a lot of trouble. No, 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 let me finish. Causes a lot of trouble. Yeah. And then the Bible says he disappears for 14 years. Okay. And if you read the scripture, it says, then had all the churches rest. <laughs> so his disappearance brought peace to the body of Christ. Okay. Because he was high on zeal, low on wisdom. Mm. And when he came back 14 years later, after mm. God had fully worked on him, then he became the Paul we all know and love today. That's a very big, very key part of the story of Paul. <laughs> Ministry became my drug. Wow. Bear in mind, I don't have time to tell you about how God healed me from anger. 
my younger brother was messing with me when I went to see my mom. It was the same year, 2004. Wow. Uh, I wanted to hit him. My mom got in between us. I accidentally, I tried to pull my punch, but my my uh, my shoulder carried into my mom and knocked my mom on the floor. Wow. Now, if, you, if you're my age from an African country, you know what it means to have hit your mom. <laughs> Death sentence. That's what it is. And it? so my mom's on the floor. Wow. And then I re-entered my body. Remember, I told you to have an out-of-body experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally saw myself enter my body. And then I began to cry. I went on a 21-day fast. I said, Lord, take this thing out. <laughs> I said, Lord, take... So, anyway, I'm still this guy. Yeah. But ministry is intoxicating because, first of all, as young as you are, 50-year-olds are calling you daddy. <laughs> Everybody looks up to you. Oh, gosh. God is using you powerfully. Yes. And without realizing, <laughs> I had made ministry my surrogate father. Okay. Yeah. The yeah. rejection wounds I suffered. Because now, my goal became, I want to be what I missed to everybody. Okay. So... I wasn't just a pastor, first a youth pastor, then a pastor. Yeah. I got down and grimy in people's lives because I was trying to give them what I didn't have. Yeah. But I was causing trouble because I was promising more than I could give. And so a person who's never had a father figure would encounter me and open up to me fully, literally make me their dad. And then when I couldn't meet all the dad needs they had, they would get so angry and in some cases hateful that our relationship would completely disintegrate because I was giving what I thought I, or what I wanted to have had, but you can't give what you don't have fully. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there was only so much I could give. So then with that then, sir, yeah, go on. So cause I'm, I'm trying to, I'm following your, your, your trail. So I'm thinking, okay, cool. So essentially when you had a, when you had a radical encounter with God, that's when you would say like your sexual lust issues was, to, you were delivered from that, at the end, with that encounter. Would you say, yeah. Or was that a the sexual loss? The sexual loss, literally, interestingly. Yeah. Masturbation and pornography died. Okay. I, I, no, yeah. I take that back. No, 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 no. So I take that back. Take that back. Pornography died. Yeah. Master, no, sorry, no, 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 sorry, no. Sex died. Okay, sex died. <laughs> Masturbation and pornography carried on for months. For months, okay. Because the reason I'm asking is because I'm, 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 I wanted to ask: Do you believe then the very thing that you that you're seeking from with the whole ministry thing was the same thing that was fueling? Of course, of course, definitely, definitely, definitely. I shifted my drug from sex to to ministry. Ministry. That was it. I just I just moved my addiction from addiction. sex to to being exalted to being affirmed. affirmed. I loved being the deliverer. Okay. And I also got involved in deliverance as well. Okay. So it was it was exhilarating to see people treat me like wow, if you had, you know, God really used you to transform my life, you know that whole kind of stuff, the whole yeah. kind of stuff. But we may need to come back and talk about the sex thing because yeah, about the, the freedom journey. We need to for the for the guys still because yeah, that's a whole. Maybe next week. I'm back next week, right? 
next week. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole that's a whole convo. The sex journey, the sexual freedom journey is a whole thing by itself. <laughs> next week, guys, sexual freedom. It, yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll deal with that next week because that that one is it's my passion now to see men be free from that. Indeed. Because this thing had a hold on me. Yes, sir. So I get involved. So ministry begins. I'm first a youth pastor. Then I become the youth pastor of the entire city. Okay. I'm the youth pastor who all the other youth pastors are being discipled by. He's not lying, guys. I have friends that were pastored by him. <laughs> and I was doing it from a pure heart. I yeah. did not know I had a wound. Okay. Because I was running too fast to feel the pain of the wound. I was waking up 6 a.m. every morning having encounters with God, praying 12 hours every Saturday, wow. minimum of three and a half, four hours every day. Wow. Uh, I was medicating emotional pain with spiritual encounters. And it was, and it was, and it, and it was, was it helping you, sir? It, it was in that it was a coping mechanism. Okay. But it, it didn't heal the wounds. Ooh. It just masked them. Wow. And the wounds showed up later. Wow. Now, this is where we get to the season I spoke about when I came two months ago. Yes. Where, so I get to Nottingham with 12, 12 pounds and, and the clothes on my back. I live in a house, a two bed house that I paid 290 pounds a month for. Oh, and wow. in hindsight, I wouldn't, I would, yeah, that's how bad the house was. Oh, wow. Okay. I guess that's really cheap. <laughs> no, it was bad. That's why it was cheap. It was bad. There was no electricity and gas for the first few months because the old tenant ran up a bill and it was a token meter. Wow. So I used to put my my food in the snow in the garden to get cold. I used to go to bed at night with a hot water bottle that my then uh, fiance and my wife now bought for me was pink. Yeah. But I had to use it because that was the only way to stop from freezing. Wow. And in the middle of that, now I leave Sheffield where if I started a church in Sheffield, at least maybe 50 to 100 people would have showed up. God says, no, go to a city where you know no one, you've heard no one. The one person I knew there who said they were going to be uh, a part of the ministry disappointed me when I got there. So I had to start from scratch with three university students who were between the ages of 19 and 21. Wow. And that's how Kingdom Culture started. It was called EKC. Okay, yeah, I remember. <laughs> Our first hall to meet in cost six pound an hour. Wow. Again, that's how bad it was. Wow. And then God builds this world impacting ministry from scratch. Mm. I mean, we were having, ooh, talk about encounters. I mean, there was a joke where if we were, we, we just gather in someone's house, you know, usually either my house or one of the, one of the students who lived in town. And the joke was, if someone starts singing and you have to be somewhere early the next day, leave. Wow. The levels, yeah? <laughs> the glo I mean, we, we once had a time where we were four hours, nine or ten of us in one house for four hours. So four wow. days, sorry. Four days. Wow. Where, imagine a prayer meeting that lasts four days. Wow. The glory of God was so thick. I mean, sometimes I think back... Uh, I think back to those days, I'm like, man, see, the closest I've come to some of those encounters was this past Sunday at church. Something shifted in our service on Sunday where I felt that say, it's almost like liquid glory in the room. And so it explodes. 
people are coming to church from other cities. Some people who are pastors today mm. doing great things in the UK, amazing men of God. Where it was like a Mecca, right? Mm. It was like a Mecca. We started putting our, our, our stuff on YouTube and I was getting people from other countries, bishops saying, uh, can we change the name of our church to yours? Because we see you as our spiritual father. Wow. This was as at eight years ago. Yeah. Pastors are telling me that they listen to our sermon on they listen to our sermon when it's on YouTube and then they preach it the next Sunday at their church. I'm getting phone calls from all around the world. We just moved into a building supernaturally. Uh a building that sat we moved in with when we first moved into the building we were about 15 people in church. The building sat 300. And over the next few years it's full sometimes wow and at the height of that disaster strikes wow. 6 a.m in the morning i'm having a we're having a, we, have, we used to have a 6 a.m prayer meeting people used to come from leeds from sheffield from loughborough whatever you know it was that kind of thing and then i have an encounter i'm going to spare you the full details but in the encounter god tells me i'm calling you to be an apostle this is your assignment this is what i'm calling you to do this is the grace I'm going to put on your life, but you're going to suffer. Okay. Sounds difficult. I come back to my senses. <laughs> a few weeks later, we, for my birthday, we do a, back in the day, guys, see, we're talking about 2008, nine and 10. <clears throat> Five hour worship services were not normal then. Mm, true. That's what we were doing. Yeah. I know it's normal now, yeah. but, I'm talking about five, six hours, yeah. not a night vigil, just of worship and prayer and the supernatural. And I mean, I'm talking about two and a half hour sermons and nobody gets up. So we have this conference for my birthday, 2012. It's called Full Circle. Mm. Place is packed, standing room only, at least 350 people in the room. Mm. Some of my mentors come and commission me. Mm. That was when I was, so that was when I was ordained with the title Rev mm. and everybody's expectation is this guy's got next. Mm. He's about to be the next big thing. Yeah. And then the bottom falls out. I'm going to spare you the details of how it happened, yeah. but we went from that to almost not existing as a ministry in two years. Yeah. I, I remember. Um, it, I mean, everything you can imagine. We lost our first pregnancy, my wife and I. We almost lost our second. My wife had immigration issues and almost kicked out the country. Wow. People in, I mean, some, a leader in our church left our church. My wife miscarried on a Friday. We were both in church on a Sunday to ordain leaders. After the ordination service, a leader in my church says they, they need to speak to me. They know my wife had a miscarriage. I talk to them for an hour and then I tell them I need to take my wife home. Mm. And because of that, they resign and leave the church. People are spreading lies about me. I'm having people call me from Brighton, from Edinburgh saying, are you Pastor Lumide? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, repent, stop doing this. I'm like, doing what? You know, people are telling lies about me, literally. Um, for, for no reason. <laughs> for no, 
just just wicked wickedness. Now, there are some scenarios where there was a breakdown in relationship. Like I told you, people are hurt because you you were the you were the the first real father figure I had. Mm. And now, quote unquote, you're you're not there for me when I need you. Yeah. But bear in mind, I was going through my own issues too. Yeah. So I didn't have the capacity. Yeah. Hey Isaac, how you doing? Yep. I yep, I remember Isaac used to show up back in the day from <laughs> Derby. Um and so I just went into a shell. Okay, also, at this time, we have about 10 quote unquote branches around the world. We've got churches in Kenya, you know, and I'm like, okay, we're gonna assign each place a resident pastor. Because yeah. my plan was in, you know, we have a five, 10 year plan. In five, 10 years, we're going, you know. Yeah, multiply. And, <laughs> and people are like, we want you. I'm like, no, that's your pastor. We're like, but we want you. I'm like, no, that's your pastor. So basically the bottom falls out. Yeah. I'm left in in tens of thousands of pounds of debt for the second time in my life. Wow. The first time was when I quit my job to go into full-time ministry. Yes. People are spreading rumors about me that are not true. Mm. People who are rightfully hurt about what they see as me rejecting them or abandoning them while I'm processing my own pain turn on me. Wow. I go from a network of churches, at least a thousand people in them to maybe less than a hundred in 18 months. 18 months. I mean, debt. Um, and I fall into depression. Wow. I began dealing with what I what I now in hindsight realized was bipolar. Yeah. My blood pressure is 215 over 95. Which literally is the blood pressure of a person having a heart attack. Wow. Um I begin to gain weight. My wife says I'm waking up at night saying I'm tired, crying, and then going back to sleep. Oh, wow. And remember, I had medicated my need for affirmation with the applause. Take that back. Not the applause. Because I was never interested in the applause of people. I was never one of the... I never wanted fame per se. But I wanted value. My drug was for people to let me know that I was making a difference in their lives. Yeah. It meant a lot to me. I I I I I lived for the knowledge that I was essential to another person's life. Mm. And so when these people who had built my sense of affirmation on abandoned me, I crashed. Mm. And in hindsight, I don't know how I didn't quit ministry. God and I were having a conversation a few days ago. And he said, son, I will reward your sacrifice. I said, what do you mean? And then he walked me through 2012 2012 to 2018. Mm. And he said, I saw. And while you didn't, while you made mistakes, Mm. he says, I'll honor the fact that you didn't quit. And then I broke down crying because man, Aya, you have no idea. You have no idea. My sense of that, I mean, I, eesh. <laughs> and so I had to go back and do the work that I didn't do mm. in 2004. Wow. 
and give up my desire to be significant. Wow. I remember I remember saying to God in 2018, I said, Lord, 2018 was when we, we came to London in 2015. We built a church. It was growing. And then I had to give it away. Okay. Publicly, I I maintained because I wanted I didn't want to 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 destroy people's face. So publicly, I gave the impression it was planned. Privately, it was because I felt backstabbed. Wow. And so it's 2018. Wow. When by now I should be the TD Jakes of my generation in my mind. <laughs> and I'm having to start again from scratch wow. with eight people <laughs> it's a roller coaster <laughs> in a studio in central London, which Pastor Emmanuel has used. That's why I was joked. What I, I said, I'd tell you about that. One of the venues you guys have used mm. and I am arranging the chairs before service for our first service. Mm. And then Satan said, this is what you did in 2009. You're back to square one. And I was about to break down. And then the words came out of my mouth. And I said, Lord, if all you want me to do is look after these eight people for the rest of my life, I will do it with joy. I'm privileged to serve you. Wow. And so I had to, that was, that was rough. So I, I not, now bear in mind, it's a year and a half after I remember that I was sexually abused by a man. Yeah. So I'm dealing with that trauma. I'm dealing with the trauma of feeling rejected and like a failure publicly. Yeah. I had to, I had to become a Christian all over again. Basically. Basically. Die to self, die to agenda, die to the applause. I'm yeah. doing it for your glory. I don't yeah. care if anybody is, is, you know, the whole, the whole, the whole thing. And then God and I went through a, a, a healing process where. Interestingly, I tried to tell my father several times how he hurt me. He would always say, I'm not interested. You're just being emotional. Get over it. When God and I made peace, when God healed me of that wound of rejection, mm. He triggered a conversation with my dad where this time my dad apologized to me. Wow. He was mad. And my dad said to me, he said, now bear in mind, this is two years ago. Mm. I'm a grown, 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 grown man. My father says, son, in my eyes, you're the richest man I know. Wow. I'm proud of you. I've watched your life over the years. You inspire me. And I want you to know there's not a man God created in history that I see as better than you. Wow. And the reason he says this to me, to make me know it's not for fun, it's not for show, is a stranger had just called me and said, are you pastor so-and-so? I said, yes. It's an Indian man. Mm. He says, I just did a shift with your dad. My dad's a medical doctor. Mm. He says, your dad couldn't stop raving about you. Wow. Your dad was talking about you like you were some angel that I had to take your number from him. He's a pastor too. He, he was a pastor to the Indian man. And he said, I wanted to call you and tell you for your own biological father to have this testimony about you. You must be special. Well done. Keep it up. And then when I call my dad to say, what's that about? That's when he says that to me. Wow. 
And so years of pain, I, I, I literally break down crying. Because now that I have bend the need for the affirmation. Look how God works. Now that I no longer need the affirmation, it comes. It comes. For my birthday this year, for my birthday this year, my dad called me. He said, son, remember you said that by the time you turned your age this year, you would be a millionaire. I said, yes. So I think he's about to tell me, so why aren't you one? So I get defensive. He says, he says, do you think, do you think that, do you think you're near being one? I'm like, well, you know what? If I wanted to be one, I could, you know, but I'm focusing on on, on changing lives. And my dad says, son, stop there. This is this year again. He says, says, son, in my eyes, you are a multi-billionaire. I'm like, bear in mind, this is this is from the same person that drew pens on Fanta bottles. And he says, he says, I've watched your life. I've watched how you treat people. Bear in mind, I'm still healing from the wounds of people who I love, who feel rejected by me, telling me I'm a demon because I wasn't there for them when they needed me. And my dad says, I've watched you sacrifice your life for people. Mm. He says, by that standard, he says, to me, son, you're a millionaire several times over. And don't let anybody... Again, I begin to cry. Because the healing, the... The the heart surgery is deep. Also, you you like I just told you, it was this year for the first time in 20-some years that my stepdad turns up on one of my broadcasts in the comment section and then reaches out to me and then we reconnect our relationship. And then he meets my wife via Zoom and my children for the first time. And in that moment, I felt like God was saying, the recovery is complete. Now that you now that you have healed that wound, like Paul, in essence, Paul went away for 14 years. Mm. I had my own 14 years in the public view. Mm. But God was doing the same thing on the inside of me. Mm. And he was like, now that we have fixed those wounds, now you can... Now you could now your 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 river is clean enough yes, sir. for yes. the world to drink from it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But the interesting thing is, and I mean this with all my heart, I uh, I don't care. I really could not give two, three, four, or five things about what any human being on the planet other than my wife mm-hmm. thinks about me anymore. Wow. I am free from public opinion. Mm. I'm free from public pressure. Mm. Ministry is now an overflow. Mm. I don't need anything back and definitely not approval or love. Mm. I don't feel, because for years I used to feel a tightness in my chest when I saw people doing what I knew I was called to do on the level I thought I was called to do it. Yeah, I was happy for them. I'm having but there was this pain, mm. like that should be me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. is gone. Wow. A lot of us. And in tr- yes. trust me, it's a beautiful place when you get there. Be honest. <laughs> and you know what? Like I said, mm. some of those early liquefying moments. Mm. 
of encounter with God are starting to come back. Wow. Because God's like, now that we've dealt with a mental and emotional wound, now we can revisit the supernatural. So you don't use it. Yes, 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 yes. So that's a brief abridged version of my story to healing. That is powerful. Like, as you're speaking, obviously there's there's another guy that isn't too quite a lot, even Emmanuel as well. Um, called Damon Thompson. I'm not sure if you remember him from the ramp as well. Um, yeah, I know. I know David Thompson. Yeah, yeah. So he he's got a particular similar agenda that you have, and obviously he's, he's preaching this message called um, "Beloved Identity," and obviously he's, he's echoing about being delivered, like you said, from selfish ambition, being delivered from the performance, being delivered from the stage, being delivered from all these things that we determined, you know, qualified us and coming to a place of just being okay. That if it's just him and his family. And him knowing that he's been loved by God for real, for real, that's the benchmark. Beloved, that's it, man. Beloved son. And as you were talking, it's just amazing to hear how you were having some deep encounters that many of us are praying to have. <laughs> <laughs> and still, that encounter wasn't the answer. Totality. In fact, it's even a danger in how we can use the encounters as, as, as a plaster. For the Peter, thing that God Peter, Peter, Peter had a supernatural encounter. Yes. Peter saw the transfiguration. Yep. Peter walked on water. Yes. Peter heard the father say, this is my beloved son and yep. still betrayed Jesus because he had an emotional wound. And when Jesus, when Jesus came back and resurrected, he sat Peter down in the final uh, chapter of John yep. and he dealt with Peter's emotional condition. Do you love me more than these? Three times he asked him. And Peter, he broke Peter down because the first two times he says, do you agape me? The third time he says, do you filio me? And that's why Peter got angry. Yeah. Because the first, Peter said, I'll go anywhere for you. I'll kill someone for you. But Peter, Peter saw his human mess. Yeah. And so when Jesus asked him, Peter was like, Lord, Jesus said, do you agape me? Meaning, will you die for me? Mm. Peter like, I really like you. Mm. Jesus says, do you agape me? Are you, are you covenanted to me? Peter says, Lord, I really like you. Meaning I can't promise you agape anymore because I've seen my pain. Mm. Also, I've seen my mess, my flaw. Jesus then says, do you filial me? And then Peter becomes emotional. Mm. He's like, Lord, he's like saying, this is how jacked up I am. Jesus Mm. says, I know. I'll take you as you are. Bear in mind, Peter has gone back to fishing yeah, because that was the last thing he was good at. Mm. <laughs> He's like, this fishing men thing didn't work out too well for me. I'm going to go back to what I'm good at. And even there he was failing. The Bible says he, they toiled so long that he came out of his clothes. As in, it was such a stress that he literally stripped naked. Mm. Jesus takes Peter to the shore gives him fish deals with his his see this is the problem with 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 the prophetic church not everything can be solved by laying hands no sir not everything can be solved by encounters in god's glory I, not I, everything think can be solved by praying and fasting not everything can be solved by seeing angels and all 
There are things we need to be honest about and say, Lord, this is me. God asked Jacob, what's your name? Yes, sir. What is your name? Be real. Come to me. Not as prophet, not as apostle, not as elder, not a cell group leader. Come as you with your mess in tow. Come open. Come naked. Come, Come vulnerable. Let's fix you. Yes. And this is my, and see, I've always had this problem with, with young people being title hungry. Come on, sir. Deliver us tonight. To the point where I was called the old prophet. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't walk in an anointing while you're young. Of course no. not. This is what I'm saying. Have a life. Ha! Goodness. Deal with being a man before you become a man of God. Okay. Too many boys of God in this on the the set. (laughs) Make your mistakes outside the public view. Hmm. Mess up and figure life out without people judging you via the standards of a role model. Because too many preachers see the app there's a there's a slew of of preachers around the world committing suicide or quitting ministry at my age now yes, they are. and i realized that if god didn't give me the path i went through as painful as it was sam good to see you man i would be one of them today because i have been suicidal so you're speaking. i have been there you're speaking. because we we never got if you check many of us the same story we got into ministry roughly about 18 and we quit or we commit suicide roughly about 40 because all of a sudden the emotional maturity that man was not allowed to have at his own pace kicks in yes sir and the church is good at killing its wounded soldiers yes sir the same people who gas you up and celebrate you and say say hosanna hosanna four days later will say yesi baraba okay crucified passion of the christ crucify him and if you in any way if you had any form of your value system tied to ministry you will lose your mind oh god oh god it's it's my passion now to do the same for to go back and say hey guys don't die on the same journey that i died on or i almost died on come on come on go on what i see it's powerful to say that even God Himself is not deli- denying the law process. Nope. We can't skip <laughs> the season. It's not, it's not spring to winter, spring, summer, autumn, then winter. And then winter. And, and everything God's saying is like, God says He had to process Israel. And Israel cannot define the encounter he, he experienced now as spring and that the next encounter has to be winter. No, Israel, I need to go through summer and I need to go through autumn. Then we arrive at winter. And, and, and it's beautiful because, like you said, we are men. We are men of God. So God is not just dealing with the spirituality of who we are, but it's also dealing with the, with the humanness of who we are. And that's the reminds me of Jesus. And we see a pattern where he went to the synagogue at 12 you know, he, he went missing. And then he disappears. <laughs> and the Lord <clears throat> said, you're in wisdom. 
and he grew in stature. Stature and favor with man and God. That's a, that's a different conversation for another week, but there are times where we're trying to accomplish things that we have the wisdom for, okay, but not sir. the stature for. Come on now. We lack the infrastructure and the capacity. You to- lack the infrastructure and the credibility. My goodness. You have the gift. Yeah, 100%. You're born with it. <laughs> you got the message. Ain't nobody want to hear you. <laughs> <laughs> The, the Bible says, says Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. Learned obedience, the son of Though God. Though he were a son. And there's nothing more painful like Joseph. Because, and, and T, I don't know who I'm talking to. When I feel like this, I'm talking to someone prophetically. Man, brother, hear me out. Yes. Younger bro, little bro, hear me, whoever you are. The Bible says Joseph remembered his dream when his brothers came. You don't remember something you haven't forgot okay god will take you down a path where you forget your dream that dream is the that dream is the biggest anvil around your neck your consciousness of who god has said you are and your desire to get there can be the very thing that keeps you from it and so he will process you to a point where you you almost give up on that picture you don't need that picture for your for your self-validation any longer and then he'll give it to you. And when he works it out, it'll be strained. It'll just happen. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have to fight. You wouldn't have to push. You, wouldn't, you, know, you, don't, you wouldn't have to pimp your way to your destiny. But you will have to limp your way to your destiny after he's touched that hip a little bit. I'm going I'm to I'm leave it there for tonight. It's powerful, you know. Because even when you said that the Joseph thing, I think it's Psalms 107 talks about how the word of the Lord until the time came to come to pass had to try and test him. So it's almost as if God took away the, the desire for the dream and said, look, Lord, look, Joseph, I'm going to make the dream try you. So almost as if the focus was never about destination. It was about Joseph becoming. Let me, let, let me put it the way I said to a mentee of mine recently, uh, uh, a man that I mentor who pastors a church. I said, son, you're trying, to, you're, trying, you're trying to grow your church. But God is using your church to grow you. Okay. It's not about the church. It's not about- I said, when you become the man you should be, yes, the church you should lead will be around you. Yes, sir. Focus on becoming the man God wants to make you. Yes, sir. And then he can trust you with the church that that kind of man should lead. Yes, sir. If I could tell my 2009 self something before I started Kingdom Culture, that's what I'd say to him. Yeah. Because what happened was I grew my ministry and my influence beyond the infrastructure of my soul. Yeah. I was spiritually mature. Mm -hmm. I was on fire for God. Mm -hmm. I was wise beyond my years, Mm -hmm. but I had unprocessed internal realities in my soul. And it's like an elastic band. Your subconscious reality will always pull your real life back to its level. Yes, sir. That's why some of us keep going through cyclical things where you make a headway and then you come back because 
It's called imposter syndrome. Internally, that little boy is saying, I'm not worthy of this. Yeah. And so the little boy will subconsciously destroy it to bring it back down to the level he is comfortable with. Wow. So stop trying to fix the external long enough and come grow on. that little boy. Internal, come on. Come on. This is powerful. This is powerful. I can relate on, on, on various degrees. And I think there's a pattern here that links to how we have managed our pain and how that, that depicts what we're ready to handle next or where God wants to take us next. And it, it seems that there's been a depth, that there's been a burial, that there's been a pain that you've experienced and how you've chosen to respond to it and to handle it mm -hmm. has qualified you or verified you, should I say, to, 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 to carry the weight or whatever that God wants next for you. And almost being delivered Amen. from desiring it makes you the, 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 the candidate for it because he knows that he can trust you because it's not out of self-ambition. Yep. on the glory of God. It's powerful, man. It's guys, we can't skip process. Nope. We, <laughs> we can't skip process. Life, I said, I said last week, life has a way of fishing us out. All things come to the light. Yes, sir. There's, there's a time for the sun to shine and it's a time for the moon to rise. And it, come on now. Anything that I'm here for saying to tonight, Israel, um, Rev, is that there's Ayo, pace yourself. Pace yourself, man. Ayo, like anything that, that enjoy the up, journey. That's good. <laughs> the, the, my anxiety is driven by my possessiveness of having to be here rather than being present. Mm. It's a very futuristic thing of where if I'm not. I, and what happens? I'm chasing the wind. I'm, I can't lie. I'm, I've, I've been blessed. And I'm sure the guys in this today have been blessed. We've gone over time, but it was well worth it. Well worth it. Wow. When men hurt. <laughs> 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 Powerful, man. We cannot skip process, guys. Love Please. the process. Guys, we Please. cannot skip process. I really feel that we should just even pray, sir. So if you don't mind, hey, uh, let's do it. Let's pray for these men to um like I'm really praying that, that mm. this will fall on deaf ears and that men will really not ignore the nudge and the tug of the Holy Ghost that may be drawing us to to give up some things that we we have created um in our own doing in our own strength and we've tried to use as a as some sort of of of, um, of measuring stick to say that this is who I am that we will begin to operate through the beloved identity that before we do anything god has loved us and is already pleased with us lord would you deliver us us men mm. from the addiction to performance and would you bring us into an understanding oh god of being one with you of being your son of being one yes, who is allowing god to do the work in side out lord would we yes, come to a place of humility where indeed yes, we come by clay in your hands where Hallelujah. our will has now been broken and we Hallelujah. are 
to be ones that are shaped and molded in your hands. Yes, Lord, Jesus. you end the eternal warfare. Wrestles, oh God, with us trying to make what you said you will do. Father, let there be a trusting with the all of our hearts and let there be an abandoning of our own yes, understanding. Lord. Uh, let there be a new reverence that we possess, oh God, in this hour. Yes, Lord. We acknowledge you in all of our ways. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. You touch and heal the small child. Yes, Lord. Uh, Hallelujah. Would this be a night of visitation, Lord, uh, where you will touch the small boys and you will grow them, oh God, affirm, mm. oh God, that the, that the healing power of your love is going into the deep mysteries of our hearts. Yes, Lord. You are healing young boys, oh God. You are bringing us into yes, alignment with our age, oh yes, God. Lord. You are alignment with the, with you, with the God ordained. Yes, Lord. Bringing us into alignment with, with us being in the present time that you have ordained us to be. Lord, would there be an equilibrium, oh God, with the soul right now and the yes, body Lord. and the spirit? Would you who, Hallelujah. Is, who has started this work to bring it to completion? <clears throat> Amen. Uh, go ahead, Rev. Father, I just want to say over every man oh, yeah. and perhaps even a woman who's watching who is grappling with a journey of formation and the pain and uncertainty that that brings mm. everyone who's dealing with their self-esteem being broken mm. their value system being broken mm. coming to face coming face to face with their flaws yeah. suffering from addiction and yeah. and perversion they cannot shake yes Father, like Peter and John said, such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Yes. Father, I minister wholeness. I minister yeah. sincerity of heart. I minister a reformed value system, a reformed yeah. sense yeah. Of, of significance that comes only from you in the name of Jesus. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I speak to the voices that say you're not good enough, on, that now. say you're a failure. Oh, yeah, the man. torment in your inner mind and i silence that voice in jesus in name, name let the voice of the father that says this is my beloved son in whom i'm well please listen to him let that voice come through yes 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 and then you lord will be the one to say listen to him yeah you will be the one to open doors and create platforms and yeah. give opportunities you will yeah. fulfill the dreams that you give yeah. us without our own agenda involved in the name of Jesus. We want to say thank you. We want to bless you. Yeah. In the precious name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 A to the men. Amen. Thank you so much, sir. Hey, my pleasure, man. That was a my pleasure. Guys, we're back again next week. And next week we're going to be doing <laughs> sexual <laughs> freedom. <laughs> I'm, I'm elated to hear this one, man, because I know this is definitely a topic. Even one sir that I've been discussing with people in private that I know that you know um, it's it's one it's it's a, it's a word for the men of this generation that we need to mm. to be free. That this is not normal. This is not the norm. That there is a life 
of freedom in the spirit of God. I'm looking forward to us having your journey, your perspective, your testimony. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing other men testifying for the Lord, bringing them. It, it, it won't be PG. Let me warn you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah we don't want PG. It's for, it's for, 18, it's for 18 and over next week. It, it, guys, you heard it here. It's, it's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Literally, guys. So next week's bro, sexual freedom will be back again at 7.30. I implore you all to, to be there. Please, guys, like the video. Please, guys, subscribe. Please share this with your friends and with your families. And as you guys know, we have the Say Yes Men's Gathering, which Rev Israel will also be at. <laughs> Happening. Looking forward to it. I was going to be there for nominal time on the 12th of December, guys. On the 12th of December, which it, it, it's free. And guess what, guys? We put an incentive as well. For every person that signs up, they enter the draw to win Beats by Dre headphones. So I implore all you guys, you have nothing to lose. Please, please, please. <laughs> you can see <laughs> literally guys we want to invite you guys the tickets are out now say yes and um, 412 say yes at the uk register invite your brother your uncle your dad your cousin your nephew whatever it is it's going to be a phenomenal time of us discussing the nature of what it means to say yes to god so i implore you all to be there my name is Alcono Duni. I want to thank you for tuning in tonight to Men's Monday. We will be back next week. May you all have a blessed and fruitful week. So next week, man. Take care. Bye bye. Amen. Bye. Bless you guys, man. Take care. Bye bye.